Good morning. Good morning, everybody. Still enjoying the summer? Yep. I think I'll still be in these shorts in October. I'm getting my money's worth. I'm a true fifer. My title this morning is Get Back. And I'm getting into my title quickly this morning because I'm so keen to get into this. Who's with me? Thank you, guys. Great that you're coming along. In many ways, I'm preaching to myself today anyway, but I'm happy to share. I'm happy for you all to listen in. Uh, Get back to where you once belonged. You know, I was was stopped in my tracks when I was up here the last time. Um, Believe it or not, for a moment, I couldn't speak. Um, There was a word which had formed in my mind, but I, I totally choked. Uh, my mouth didn't work, um, and that word was Savior. And the weight of that word struck me in that moment, and I got stuck in that moment. Jesus, Savior, and and that's where it starts. That's where it starts. And Lord, and Healer, and Deliverer. And friend, can that sink in? Friend, does that ever really sink in? But it's true, it's true. John 15, 15, but I have called you friends. So I was chatting with a, a friend later in that week, and I realized that, and I don't mean this in a, a holy, holy way, but I never want to be speaking about Jesus more than I speak with him. Give him the first place. And maybe that's a a bit of a challenge for somebody whose role it is to speak about Jesus. But it wasn't, I didn't take it as a condemnation, but I think it was a conviction. You know, get the basics right and everything else flows from this. Seek him first. So later, I'm going to mention the three R's. The three R's. The essentials of education, the fundamentals, reading, writing, and arithmetic. I'm guessing that doesn't include spelling. (laughs) But these are thought of as a foundation, a starting point, the basics. So back to basics, get back, get back to the beginning, the garden, walking with God in the cool of the day, as it says in Genesis 3.8. I was reminded of that scripture earlier this week when I, when I went for a walk in the evening with, uh, with Milo, just, just me and my boy. And uh, it had been a warm day, it's been a warm week, and, but it was still and a bit cooler and milder in the evening. And I couldn't, I couldn't shake this scripture than the thought of walking with my father in the cool of the day. John Eldridge once wrote about Adam and Eve walking and talking with him in the best part of the day when all the work was done no distractions closeness with father he says this he says it was for this we were created and it's to this we must return get back get back you know what maybe maybe it's not even about speaking with jesus more than speaking about him maybe it's been quiet enough in our own hearts to listen to his voice every day, to hear him in the moments. You know, when you're out for a walk with your kids, it's a relationship, not a religion. 
after all. So, what is the direction of my affection? Get back, back to basics where it all started. And for me, that's 1998. Born in 74, born again in 98. But I grew up in the 80s. Now, for me, the best films of the 70s and 80s had to be the Rocky series. I know people talk about Star Wars, but we're not going there. That's another preach. But it had to be the Rocky series. Rocky II was the ultimate. When the hungry, young Rocky finally won the title. By Rocky III, it was a different Rocky. He'd been the champion for a while, and he lost kind of meekly to Mr. T. Pity that fool, eh? But nowadays, this is where, it's that film that my favorite quote comes from. I'll read it out. Mickey, the wise old trainer, he gives Rocky a piece of his mind. The worst thing that happened to you that can happen to any fighter, you got civilized. Boom. The worst thing that happened to you that can happen to any fighter, you got civilized. That's so good, Mickey. That's so good. And it hits, it hits like a truck. Because then I'm thinking, did I get civilized? In my mind, I go back to being the young man that was broken and at the end of himself, but had just met with Jesus. And it's wild. And I'm consumed with joy. High on hope. I said hope, mum. <laughs> High on hope. <laughs> Grateful and desperate to see anyone else that I know meet with this Jesus too. But did I get civilized? It's so, so subtle. See, on the surface, you can look like a champion. But in reality, the seeds of your defeat have already been sown and it becomes inevitable. You've left behind the very thing that made you a champion in the first place. The raw hunger, the passion, the drive. So have I become civilized? Can I say all the right phrases at the right times? Give the orthodox wisdom on most topics? Can I navigate my life without conflict or confrontation? Can I put up with things that I know to be wrong just to keep the peace or to gain an advantage? All the time looking like I'm on top of things and living my best life. Or, am I still wild at heart? Do I love deeply? Do I speak boldly? And do I fight the good fight? Am I sold out for Jesus and nothing else matters? Or am I too scared to find out? Like Rocky, have I now got too much to lose rather than everything to gain? So, I borrowed recently from my profession as, a, as an architect. And I've spoken about perspective and foundations and restoration and transformation. And I'm going to drop another word in just now. Gentrification. I'm going to explain it, don't worry. Very quickly, gentrification is a phenomenon which occurs to a city, district, or neighborhood. New people move into an affordable area of town. And often these are young professionals or upwardly mobile people who just haven't made it big yet. Or artists who need space or businesses and startups. And the affordable area is where ordinary people live and work. And it often has a bit of history and a bit of character of its own. And it now becomes very attractive. More people move in. Other businesses start to support the people who have moved in. 
coffee shops, galleries for artists, delis that supply mung beans and tofu, microbreweries, you get the picture, hipster's paradise, right? But the area becomes more popular. It regenerates, it attracts investment, it has a thriving economy, and that's all good. But all the while, the costs go up. House prices, rents, food prices. And the people who lived there in the beginning can no longer af afford to live there now. And the very things that made that neighborhood attractive in the first place no longer exist. And its people are long gone, and it's not affordable anymore. And the character of the place changes. It loses its uniqueness, it loses its soul, and it has been gentrified. Civilized and gentrified. Both, both have the veneer of winning while losing the very thing that matters most. So, who wants to get some scripture? Amen. Yep, it's about time, eh? It's about time. I've spoken a lot from the book of Ephesians this year. I love how the first half of Ephesians shows God's grace towards us in Jesus. And in the second half, we, it shows how we live in light of this grace. It's not about what we do, it's about what He has done. And today I'm going back to the Ephesians, but this time it's a different letter. It's the first of seven letters to the seven first century churches from Jesus via John of Patmos. Now, let's go to Revelation 2, and I'll take the first five verses. I'll give you a second. I was going to say turn to your Bible to scroll or whatever it is you do. Revelation 2, first five verses. I'll just read it out. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things say, says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Right, listen to this. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they're apostles and they are not, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from, from where you've fallen, repent and do the first works, or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Now, a lot in there, but over the next few minutes, we'll unpack those verses. Now, at this time, it's thought that the church at Ephesus was a series of house churches. So the letter would probably have been read by an elder in a meeting similar to the kind of meeting that many of us might have attended in the past. House church, life group, that sort of setting. So imagine the excitement, a message from the master. I know your works, he starts. Jesus knows your works. He sees you. That's important. To, that's enough for today, really. He sees you. Jesus sees you. He sees you. He sees what you do. Your good deeds in public and in private. He notices. He cares. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not. You found them liars, and you have persevered 
and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and not becoming weary. Jesus is commending them. He's not just setting them up. It's not a management technique here. He's genuinely commending them. They've done well with these things. He's commending their perseverance, their patience, their hard work. And they know their theology. The Ephesians know their theology. They're discerning. They have the right beliefs and the right behaviors. That's all good. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. They were doing all the right things you'd expect a healthy church to be doing, but there was a problem, and it's a problem which Jesus clearly articulates. You have left your first love. So they had right behavior. It's a big tick. Right beliefs. That's a big tick. I can't emphasize enough how important these things are. And they were making progress. They were thriving. But you have left your first love. Could it be that we're seeing gentrification of the soul. Could that be? Doing all the right things, yet completely missing the point. As we grow in our faith, as we progress, perhaps the big dangers are not the obvious sins and temptations. The Ephesians were commended for knowing right from wrong and hating evil. But we do have to be careful not to make our methods our messiah or to love our practices more than the person of Jesus. We live in a time where we have more resources than ever before. We have the best teaching, the best music, the best growth tracks and programs, and they're all at our fingertips or on our screens. We have access to it all. But let us not become so sophisticated in our Christianity that we leave Christ behind gentrification of the soul. You have left your first love. So let's go through that. You have left. You have left. Not lost. Not lost your first love. You have left your first love. Left implies distraction. Our attention can be captured by something else. And then we walk towards that something else. And we leave our source and all our energy goes on to the new thing that existed only because of the first thing. That's the irony. We need to get back to where we once belonged. Or stay there. You have left your first. So first. First here is about priorities. About what's most important to you. I used to hear it said, you might remember this one, I used to hear it said that I can tell your priorities by looking at your calendar. And I get the intention behind that, that phrase, that quote, but I'm not sure if it's strictly the case. Um, if I look at my day, I can spend eight hours with my colleague and maybe three or four with Jill. Now, don't get me wrong, my colleague is a great guy, right? And we have great chats. Last, last week, he came into the office. He'd been watching a documentary about hummingbirds. And he came in to ask me this 
fundamental question. He said, he said, how do you explain the existence of hummingbirds apart from the existence of God? Great question. Anyway, I, I, I digress. But my calendar would show that I spend more time with my colleague. But my heart says that it's Joe that I want to be the first thing in my day and the last thing in my night. She's first in this scenario. The priority, the work in the business comes out of my desire to provide for her and the boys. So, if I ever forget that and my intention goes solely onto my work, then I've lost everything. You've left your first love, Jesus says. So, left first love. Love, the focus, the focus of our affection, the object of our worship, the source of all things, the, the, the cry of our hearts. It occurs to me that the Ephesians had not only moved away from their own love towards Jesus, as in growing cold, but remember, we, we love because He first loved us, so perhaps they'd also moved away from Jesus' love for them. And it was in love that He was calling them back. This is a rebuke, but its source is love. So, here we have the definition of the problem. You have left your first love. But Jesus, Jesus doesn't leave things here. In His grace, in His grace, He shows the Ephesians the way back. Get back to where you once belonged. How much do you love Jesus? How much? That even in this, even in their abandonment, he shows them the way back. Love is that strong. Is, is any of this connecting? Is, is, is it resonating? Because re if you have a sense that you've left your first love, listen to what Jesus says next. The Holy Spirit doesn't bring condemnation, by the way. That comes, that comes from another place. But it does bring conviction, and that leads to repentance, and that leads to restoration. So, okay, here we go. This is what Jesus says next. The three R's. Back to basics. Remember, therefore, where, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the first works. So, the path to restoration. Did you, did you catch it? You're not a lost cause. I'm not a lost cause. The Ephesians weren't a lost cause. Jesus is telling the Ephesians that they can get realigned. They've got the right stuff in them, but it's just in the wrong place. So, remember, repent, and redo. The three R's, the basics. Remember, repent, redo. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Get back to where you once belonged. Remember, stop, take stock, think back way, way back, maybe for some of us. But before you knew the Greek and the Hebrew words for everything, before you became sophisticated, before you were civilized, recall what you were. Recall who delivered you. Remember the miracle of Calvary in your life. It's the cross of Christ. 
and his saving of my soul that is the place that I must live out from. And I think that's what happened to me on this spot three weeks ago. At the mention of, at the mention of his name, I remembered. I was back there. Remember the cross and keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. Do you know, remember, just like I say to the boys, remember who you are. Remember where you came from. Um, I heard a, another pastor and speaker, a guy called Crawford Loret, say this once. And he said the same thing to his boys. I'm glad it's not just me. <laughs> remember who you are. Remember where you came from. Get back. Get back. Then Jesus says, after remember, he says, repent. Metanoia in Greek. See, I'm not a total Philistine. <laughs> but change your mind about how you're living. There's a broader implication, though, to repentance. And maybe it's one we don't like to mention so much these days because it destroys the great commandment of our age, thou shalt not feel bad. But repentance implies a deep sorrow over an offense that's been committed. And in the text, the offense that's been committed against Jesus, he's been offended. Offended in the true sense of the word. An offense has been committed against him. I have this against you, he says. See, we hurt his heart when we walk away from his compassion. He gave it all for us. It's simply not okay to be drawn away to other affections, even so-called worthy ones. It's idolatry. You know, you can, you can love talking about Jesus more than you love Jesus. You can, you can love serving more than you love Jesus. And this is what he's telling the Ephesians. Stop, repent, turn around. Get back, get back. So third R. This one's interesting. Redo. And do the first works, it says in the text. What does that mean? Well, the Ephesians had already been commended for their works. And actually, they've taken a bit of heat for focusing on their works. So, may I make a suggestion from the text? You have left your first love. Do the works you did at first. I think Jesus is saying, remember where you came from. Re repent, turn back to me, and express your affections for me the way you did when you were first converted. Remember the joy of salvation, of leaving your past behind, of of feeling, of feeling clean for the first time. Remember the tears of gratitude and excitement at the mention of his name. Remember when your head hit the pillow at night and you said over and over and over again, Jesus, I love you. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. The three R's. Remember, repent, and redo Get back to where you once belonged. I'm going to close in a moment. Uh, perhaps the worship team would like to get prepared. But I suppose for me there are, there are, there are a couple of questions. What's my, what's my heart temperature for Jesus? Do I cultivate 
a love relationship with him. The works I did at first, before anything else came along. I know I've said this a hundred times, but God loves us as we are, but because he loves us, he won't leave us as we are. And here, Jesus shows us the way back. He won't leave us as we are. He confronts us in love. He doesn't condemn. He shows us the way back. He is the good shepherd. A final, a final thought from my summer evenings. After a walk in the, in the cool of the day, my, my other summer hobby is to sit by the fire pit and have a chat and maybe a glass of wine. But I've also been developing my, my bushcraft skills. Uh, I've discovered that I really enjoy setting and maintaining and guarding the fire. And I've come to realize something. Even when it looks like the fire is going out, as long as there is an ember, you can get the fire roaring again. So, if you're listening today, and you feel like the fire is going out, all God needs is an ember. There is always hope. Give Jesus your embers this morning and get back to where you once belonged. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, lead me to the place where I can find you. Lead me to the place where you'll be. Lead me to the cross where we first met. Draw me to my knees so we can talk. Let me feel your breath. Let me know you're here with me. I love you, Lord. We worship you, we praise you, and we thank you for your presence with us today. All glory to you, in your name's sake. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.